parents are like, you're supposed to be working on handwriting with my child. How come you spent this much time playing Candyland? And I will have to say like, oh, well, we were playing Candyland on our tummies on the ground because we were building the postural muscles and their trunk support muscles so that they could sit upright at the table and hold the pencil and have control when they're tracing their name. So there's a lot of steps and a lot of hidden things you might not be seeing, but if you ask your OT, I bet there is a way that it is relating to handwriting. Welcome to the Sensory Wise Solutions podcast for parents, where parents can get real, actionable strategies to support kids with sensory processing disorder. I'm Laura, OT and mom to Liliana, a sensory sensitive kid who inherited my anxiety and my love for all things Disney. Consider me your new OT mom bestie. I know my stuff, but I also know what it's really like in the trenches of parenting a child with sensory processing disorder. Okay, mom, enough about me. Let's start the podcast. Hello, everyone, and happy Occupational Therapy Month. In the United States, we celebrate the field of occupational therapy in April, and I'm going to celebrate it the way that I know best, which is just spreading awareness about all of the amazing things that OT can do for people to help them be successful in their everyday lives, which is basically the motto of the field. And if you didn't know, we do work with people from all the way from infancy all the way up to the end of life, but I focus on pediatrics and even more focus on children from the ages between three and like 10 or 11. So I focus on activities and daily living skills that contribute to their daily lives and things that are important to children between those ages. So throughout the rest of this month, you'll hear me talk about a few different skills and, um, things that take up or occupy the time of children, which is where the word occupation comes from and is one of the most misunderstood things about our field is why we're called occupational therapy, but it's about things that occupy your time. So I focus on activities and skills and things that occupy the times of children. And a lot of that has to do with school. A lot of it has to do with play. So you'll hear all about that throughout this month. Make sure you're following me on Instagram because I'm sharing way more little tidbits and nuggets of wisdom about OT on there. That's at the OT Butterfly. But today, this episode, we're focusing on handwriting development. And this is a super popular topic. I get questions on pencil grasps and handwriting and all of that stuff. I get questions on that a lot. So... I was excited to finally have the space to write uh, an episode on this. So keep in mind that I'm going to be specifically referring to the act of handwriting letters in this episode. But remember that there are actual pre-writing shapes and strokes like lines, circles, triangles that really have to be mastered before you even think about writing letters. So I personally, as an OT, I don't even worry about creating interventions or specifically targeting handwriting skills in children until they're like mid-kindergarten. So I could I could do a whole episode on that. The schools are placing just way too many, too high demands on preschoolers. Um, but I, this episode is not for that. So instead, I'm going to link a blog post in the show notes is a blog that I co-wrote with Susie Allison from Busy Toddler. And I'll leave that in the show notes for you to explore. And we talk all about how preschoolers should not be taught handwriting skills right now. That is not one of, uh, that's not something that's important to their development 
and the preschool years. So I'll leave it at that. Check that blog post out if you're interested. So one other thing though on that, to be clear, I do have clients who are preschool age, like three and four, that yes, I do work on visual motor skills like drawing and tracing some letters because those skills are part of their particular clinical picture and things that they need support with. But I would not would not refer a preschooler to OT solely for handwriting difficulties or for grasp, if that makes sense. Like if a four-year-old was having difficulty writing their name and their preschool teacher was like, this four-year-old isn't writing her name yet and she holds this crayon awkwardly. And if that was their only issue, I would not refer them to OT just for this reason. If the same four-year-old also had sensory processing issues, big behaviors, meltdowns, can't put their socks or jacket on or other fine motor skills or other things that are contributing and handwriting is just one piece of that picture, then yes, there are other things that would refer me to OT and then I would potentially work on those things on drawing and coloring and tracing in our work, but that would not be my referring reason. If they are not yet in kindergarten, we should not be concerned about three and four-year-olds not being able to write letters yet. So I'm going to let that sink in. (laughs) So for this episode, I'm going to be talking all about handwriting development and the skills that are necessary to lead up to handwriting development, which includes letters and numbers. But again, I'm thinking about kids that are in kindergarten or older. So make sure you have that reference in mind. All right. So first, let's talk about the skills. If we're talking about the actual task of sitting down at a table, taking a pen or pencil to hand and writing our name, what skills does a person need to have to successfully write the letters of their name? Handwriting itself is classified or called a visual motor integration skill, which is basically what it sounds like. It's integrating the visual sense and the motor sense to create an output. But there are so many more underlying skills that are involved in handwriting. So first, we're going to talk about sensory processing skills. And it might surprise you to know that sensory processing skills are actually a huge foundational requirement to building fine motor, gross motor, and even cognitive skills. So I want you to imagine a pyramid. So it's like a triangle shape, right? And the top of the pyramid, the point of the pyramid is the skill that we are trying to get. So it's handwriting for this case. Then I also want you to imagine the very bottom level, the foundation of the pyramid that the rest of the pyramid is built upon. The bottom of the pyramid would be all of the sensory systems. Because without a refined, efficient sensory processing system, you can't develop a lot of the advanced higher level skills. So here's just a few of the sensory processing skills that contribute to handwriting. First, we have visual perception. So this makes sense. Handwriting is a visual motor skill. You need your eyes to help you write. But there's even more to visual processing than you might be thinking of. So visual processing is important for knowing where on the paper to start writing the letter. 
It's important for knowing how big letters this should be, recognizing the actual letters that you need to write, knowing to put spaces between letters, but not too big, and also knowing how big of a spaces to put between words. Then there's also the combination of your tactile and your proprioception sense. These senses both contribute to knowing how um, to grasp the pencil in your hand and also how much force to push on that pencil when you're writing. So if these two senses are underdeveloped or unrefined, it can contribute to an awkward grasp, to producing really light or shaky lines, or even really, really dark lines, or maybe a child who always breaks the crayon or breaks the pencil, and that child then might get fatigued easily in their hands from pushing too hard. Then there's also the vestibular sense. And when the vestibular and the proprioception sense combined, um, these senses contribute to maintaining an upright posture, which is necessary for fine motor precision. If you are not able to hold an upright position and have a strong posture postural muscles and have all of that kind of in line with each other, then it's really hard to access the fine motor muscles in the hand to create precision output. So if your child has sensory processing difficulties related to any of those senses I mentioned, so tactile, vestibular, visual, or proprioception, then it might be contributing to their handwriting development. So if you are already working with OT or you're looking to work with an OT for handwriting skills, don't be surprised if you see them spend half of the session doing an obstacle course or going outside or doing some other like full body movement activity because they're probably working on sensory integration. So now let's talk about another skill that contributes to handwriting, and this is gross motor skills. I don't know if you knew this, but gross motor development is a requirement, is a prerequisite for the development of handwriting skills, because without a solid gross motor foundation, fine motor skills can't fully develop or refine. So gross motor skills Something you should know is gross motor skills develop before fine motor skills. So if you think about it, one of the first major milestones in infancy is being able to roll over or actually even before that to hold their neck up. So you would not expect a baby who can't hold their head up or roll over to be able to use a pincer grasp. It just doesn't make sense. They first have to work from the middle of their body, their neck, their back, their tummy muscles, which is why tummy time is always so highly um, suggested for infants. But there's other ways that gross motor development can lead to fine motor and handwriting development. So what I mentioned already, the postural strength and endurance to sit upright. If you can't sit upright and if you can't maintain an upright position, then you can't continue to have proper control and movement of the muscles in the hand, which is what I said earlier. But you also need this stability of your upper body muscles. So when I say upper body muscles, I'm talking about shoulder muscles, back muscles, tummy muscles, Um, all of that needs to work together. All of those muscles need to work together to be stable so that the muscles in your fingers can move precisely. So if your child has been identified to have gross motor challenges with any of those skilled mentioned, like if they have a weak core or weak posture or low postural endurance, then you might see an OT offer activities like 
weight-bearing activities. This includes things like crawling, doing animal walks, doing planks, especially when there's weight-bearing activity through their hands. So this is just all around great for building postural support, shoulder, and trunk stability. You might also see the OT offer an activity like having your child sit on an exercise ball while they're playing a tabletop game or maybe building blocks, but just sitting on this unstable surface really requires a lot of activation of those postural and core muscles that they need to sit upright. They also might do games where your child is laying on their tummy, playing a board game on the ground um, or any other activity, which also builds trunk support and postural skills and stability. Okay, so now let's talk about fine motor skills. And this is probably the skill that you expected me to mention first when talking about handwriting, but actually it's one of the last. Why? Because I mentioned you need a steady set of gross motor skills. And to have those gross motor skills, you need a steady set of sensory processing skills in order to refine all of these higher level skills. So now we're at fine motor skills, but hopefully by now you're getting the picture that handwriting is not only a fine motor skill, but of course, fine motor is a major component to handwriting. So specifically, fine motor precision. So this is exactly what it sounds like. It's the actual motor ability to produce a line, a curve, a stroke in a precise way so that it can actually bump the line or close the circle or produce a shape or a letter that's legible. Difficulty with fine motor precision can result in illegible letters, letters that are too big, or letters that are not adhering to the writing space or the lines that are provided. So the kids who write in between the lines, whose letters kind of go below the line when they shouldn't, um, or have letters that are really hard to read. Then also fine motor strength. This is including all of the muscles in the fingers and having enough strength to have a proper grasp of the writing utensil, to be able to place enough pressure on the writing utensil, and the most important one, I think, to be able to sustain the writing and drawing without getting easily fatigued. And you would notice them getting easily fatigued by like always like shaking their hands out. Of course, they're, um, the, they're, their endurance for holding the pencil and writing is going to vary by age, but you'll know um, based on like if they're writing really slow or if they keep shaking their hands out, if it's related to fine motor strength. Now I do want to put a quick note here. So when you have a child who has illegible letters um, and it's, or it's placed all over the page and it's not really adhering to the lines, remember handwriting is a visual motor skill. So it has the visual piece tied with the fine motor precision. There are a lot of kids who come to OT that I've seen and have assessed. And initially you think they don't have control of the pencil and they can't write the letters correctly. So it's a fine motor issue with their hands. When after we do an assessment, we find out that it's more of a visual processing issue. So the way that their eyes are interpreting the page, their way that their eyes are interpreting the letter and the directionality of things is the piece that's being impacted. And it's their actual fine motor skills of being able to hold the pencil and create some sort of output is not the issue and it's more their visual sense. So that's when these things can be very nuanced and you definitely need an OT to take a closer look. But we will talk about that at the end. I just wanted to mention that part here as we tie up the fine motor section. 
So the last set of skills that can contribute to a child learning and developing handwriting skills is a little bit higher level, and these are the cognitive skills. So particularly, I think about executive functioning skills, which is a set of higher level cognitive skills that are really necessary for so many childhood developmental tasks. And a lot of executive functioning skills are necessary for learning handwriting, developing the handwriting skills, and to be able to continue handwriting for multiple sequences and for for writing like paragraphs and longer assignments. So here are some of the ways that executive functioning is needed for handwriting. First is um, working memory and mem- and just memory in general. So knowing what letters are in your name and remembering them. And then also the sequence, which is an executive functioning skill, the sequence of those letters and the sequence of the strokes and the motions that's required to create those letters. You also need good attention. You have to be able to attend to writing your name and attend to learning how to write your name. And attention is an executive functioning skill. Also, initiation and completing writing your name. The act of initiating a task is an executive functioning skill. So you have to know when to start, how to start, and then actually put that into action and then know when you've completed the task. Then there's also planning. So when you are asked to write your name, you should know that, okay, I need to get a pencil and a piece of paper and I need to find that pencil and that piece of paper. So again, these are kind of like bigger zoomed out skills. I would say not directly focused on handwriting, but it certainly contributes if you're thinking about a child in kindergarten and they're having a hard time keeping up with the class. We need to rule out all of these extra steps that can lead up to handwriting. And I wanted you to know that these are are steps that I look at as an OT when I'm considering a a child's challenge in the classroom related to handwriting. So now you see handwriting is actually a very complex skill. So if your child then is having difficulty with executive functioning and you're also working on developing handwriting skills, an OT might help build executive functioning skills with games like completing a multi-step craft. The craft would require the child to follow instructions, find the materials, and complete the task with little to no extra instruction other than maybe a visual demonstration or a model completed of that craft. They might also play a game like Spot the Difference or I Spy, which does include visual perception, but from an executive's executive functioning perspective, they are working on visual memory, on working memory, and visual attention. Then they might also do something like color by number or color by letter where they have a picture and there's a bunch of different letters in there, but then there's a key on the side that tells you like color all of the letter E's red or color all the number threes blue. And yes, this does start adding some fine motor components because they have to color, but they might also be using this to work on executive functioning skills, which target things like visual memory, focused attention, initiation, working memory, and just sequencing even to remember that you have to look at the key to find out which number or letter you're looking at. There's a lot of other ways too that an OT might build executive functioning skills to contribute towards handwriting, but they might also provide just some in-the-moment accommodations to better support the child's current level of executive functioning abilities, especially when in the classroom. So one of the things I'm always talking about is outside of the classroom or even outside of the home, the OT is working on building up these skills and using these interventions, therapeutic activities to help build these skills. 
But when they're in the classroom or when they're at home, the OT might give a lot of suggestions to the teacher or the parents to scaffold or um, accommodate the activity or task so that it's more at the child's level and so that they can be successful. So what this would look like for executive functioning related to handwriting is the OT might suggest putting visual samples of letters or numbers out. So I've had students have a whole letter line or number line of numbers 1 through 20 and letters A through Z or the letter or the letters of their name even if they're in first, second, third, fourth grade but they're needing help with the executive functioning skills related to handwriting. We also might talk about providing visual checklists like remember to put spaces between your words or remember to bump the line with this letter. Just a lot of Um, extra reminders and checklists. Even visual timers might help with managing the time on a multi-step writing activity where they might forget, oh, first I was supposed to write this sentence and then next I was supposed to go back and underline all of the letters. The other executive functioning tip that a OT might offer a teacher or a parent is to, instead of expecting the child to follow a craft or activity just by what the teacher says at the beginning of class, you might give them step-by-step instruction or give them the model of the craft to have at their desk so they can reference it quickly. Phew. Okay. Those were probably way more skills than you were expecting, right? And I bet I even uh, left a few out, but these were some of the common ones. So this is why when your child is having difficulty with handwriting, an OT assessment can really give you a lot of information on the underlying skills. And it's why OTs are probably doing a lot of the activities that don't look like they're working directly on handwriting. And I get that question sort of like a complaint sometimes from parents are like, you're supposed to be working on handwriting with my child. How come you spent this much time playing Candyland? And I will have to say like, oh, well, we were playing Candyland on our tummies on the ground because we were building the postural muscles and their trunk support muscles so that they could sit upright at the table and hold the pencil and have control when they're tracing their name. So there's a lot of steps and a lot of hidden things you might not be seeing, but if you ask your OT, I bet there is a way that it is relating to handwriting. Now, how do you know that it's time to seek support from an OT? I get this question asked a lot by teachers and parents, so I'm going to leave you with a quick checklist for you to think about. So if your child displays any of the following signs, it could be one, it could be many of them, and your child is in kindergarten or a higher grade. So if they display any of the following signs that I'm about to list, one or more of them, and they are older than kindergarten or they're in the middle of their kindergarten year. And why I say that, guys, is because it's really not age appropriate in terms of development for a child younger than five to be able to have a lot of these handwriting skills that are expected in kindergarten. So I like to give them a chance to catch up in kindergarten. There are a lot of kids who don't even go to preschool, pre-K, and have never picked up a pencil or pen. And sure, they're going to struggle in the beginning of kindergarten. But if they are neurotypical and typically developing, then by mid-kindergarten, by mid-year, they've probably picked it up or they're able to catch up and to learn it. So I like to give kids at least the first half of kindergarten before worrying about their grasp or their letter output, their legibility of letters. So here's my checklist. Remember, as you're thinking of this, if your child has one or more of these things and they are in middle of kindergarten or later, 
then it might be time to seek help from an OT. So here's the list. If the child is writing or drawing and it seems very effortful for them, if the child is getting easily fatigued from writing or drawing, so they're always shaking their hands out, they slow down. If the child's letters or drawings have very light or shaky lines, if you give the child a visual sample of the letter or the shape that you want them to write or draw and they have a difficult time copying it, if that child is also displaying behaviors related to handwriting, maybe they're avoiding tasks, they're having meltdowns around it, or any crafts or other fine motor activities, um, maybe other tasks are also hard for them that are related to fine motor, like buttoning, zipping up jackets, using eat, eating utensils, putting shoes on, or they also have other tasks related to visual motor processing that seems hard for them, like cutting, or even just the visual processing that's hard for them, like puzzles or recognizing shapes and letters. And also, lastly, if your child is in kindergarten or older, and they are still consistently holding the pencil, crayon, or marker with a fist, so completely closed fist over it, or um, a digital pronate grasp, which is hard to describe over podcasts. So I will put a picture of this in the blog post. But for those of you listening, the digital pronate grasp is when your thumb basically is rotated towards the paper rather than the pinky side closest to the paper. Hopefully you can picture that. But again, I'll put a picture up on the blog um, that this podcast will be linked to. So if all of that sounds like your child, then I think it would be worth getting assessed by an OT. So if your child is in public school in the U.S., you can ask the school to assess your child. And if your child qualifies, then you can get support through a school-based OT. If your child doesn't qualify for school-based OT, um, because the schools can have some pretty strict requirements for qualifying children for OT, but you're still looking for support, you can go to a private OT clinic. So I would start the search in a local parents, local moms Facebook group, or other local community support group, and ask them for private OT clinics in the area, and just cold call them, call them up. The person who does the intake um the intake call for you there at the clinic can then usually give you the process of how to get referred by your pediatrician or any other things that you might need in order to get the process rolling. And of course, if you do want help with this process, getting started, or you just, this brought up a lot of thoughts for you, have a lot of questions for me, or if you need any other help with this journey, with this OT process, and maybe you're in between therapists or you're on a huge wait list, which happens, I can help. I offer one-on-one -on -one consultations via Zoom. So if you head to theotbutterfly.com slash parent consult, you can sign up for a one-on-one -on -one session with me on Zoom. I will put those links in the show notes as well. All right, that's the episode for today. I hope this was helpful. I hope you guys learned something. Maybe you had some light bulbs go off, but I will be back next week with a new episode to continue celebrating OT month. Take care. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider rating it and leaving a review, which helps other parents find me as well. Want to learn more from me? I share tons more over on Instagram at the OT butterfly. See you next time.